don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome on to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. We are looking at three flicks today. Two of them on Netflix, one of them on Apple TV. First up, it is The Dig, which is on Netflix, starring Carrie Mulligan, Ray Fiennes, Lily James, and some other superb actors, but they're probably the best three household names. As always, joined by Dave Coyne and Lisa Tracy. Hello. Good evening. Hello, everybody. Dave, you have some more excited than that? <laughs> Sorry, I was reading. Sorry. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, hello, hello everybody. Kermit Dean Frog here. Uh, welcome to the Just Like in the Movies show. How's right. that? Can you do De Niro? Uh, I'd have to prepare. I'd have My Kermit the Frog is always there, but I'd have to prepare my De Niro. I can't just pull De Niro out of my ass there. You, you probably, you're one of those people who does uh, Kermit the Frog impressions after a few pints. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Kermit Dean Frog here. Uh, welcome to uh, Just Like in the Movies. I'll have two pints of Guinness and a gin and tonic, please. <laughs> Excellent. That should be our new intro. <laughs> right. We better start. <laughs> it's gold. <laughs> Speaking of gold, let's look at The Dig from director Simon Stone. Dave, what is The Dig about? So it's it's set just pre-World War Two. Um, in Suffolk in England and there's this lady played by um, Carrie Mulligan she's a well-to-do lady Lord of the Ma- lady of the manor kind of thing and she's got these mounds on her land you know out in the fields there's these big mounds burial mounds they don't know what they are and she employs this man uh, Ralph Fiennes played by Ralph Fiennes to he's a he's an excavation specialist who has no formal education from a university or anything like that he's not a proper archaeologist but he's got a feel for it and he's earthy and he goes and like does starts digging up these mounds because she thinks there might be some historical, you know, archaeological merit to it. Significance. Significance. Thank you, Lisa. And basically, um, he starts this off. There's a bit of a tussle between a local um, museum who want him to come back to work and all this kind of stuff. Long story short, he finds something that's of value and then it kind of snowballs from there. And there's lovely subplots about the people who come from the university and Lily James is there with her husband, played by Ben Chaplin, who is actually a great granddaughter son of, of uh, Charlie Chaplin, I believe. Wow. And and he is, and there's a bit of a subplot there that's very interesting. It might play to the uh, Downton Abbey Brigade. Uh, it's, it's actually not bad. And Carrie Mulligan's fo- husband is dead and her brother is there, but he's about to go off to war. And she's got a young son who's got this wonderful imagination. So it's a, a lovely kind of mixture of, it's a lovely mix of storytelling and uh, basically it's about this di- archaeological dig on her land and it's 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 uh that's about it i'm gonna hand it over to lisa now see what she thinks <laughs> it was a great synopsis well done dave um, oh, thank you you would think that something like the dig wouldn't be the most exciting of movies but lisa what did you make of it well, Gary and Dave, I did not find it the most exciting of movies. I found it, oh, very drab, very, oh, it was very boring. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't mean to be mean, but it was, it was. <sighs> Carrie Mulligan is, is. Let's just, you know, say what has happening. She's very ill in the movie. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, oh, woe is me. Oh, gosh. And oh, golly gosh. And oh, oh. And it's, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. There's no meat in this, in this story. You know, even the dig, like they're not even digging up anything that's interesting. It's like, oh, okay. So it's a boat. Oh, it had medallions in it. Oh, great. And then you have the stuff. <laughs> Sorry, so plot. <laughs> in case you didn't figure out, there might be a boat buried there. But uh, then you have Johnny Flynn, and he, he's very handsome brother, and he play, he's uh, going off to war, and Lily James and her interesting husband. That's about as interesting as it gets, but... <sighs> The only Downton part, Dave, is the fact that they dress up for dinner. That's the only Downton part. Downton is actually much more interesting, you know. Oh, no, I mean, I'm not suggesting that it's more interesting than Downton. I'm just saying (laughs) certain elements of this film might appeal to the Downton set. That is true. That is true. But that's That's basically just because it's set in that era and the period drama situation. But I didn't, I didn't, I thought there was a lot of Kerry Mulligan being... Oh woe is me and and golly gosh and and that was about it. So it it just and Ray Fiennes is always excellent, but the whole speaking off camera thing I did not get. It's very arty, it's very dreamy, but it was like oh gosh I'm 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 looking away into the camera, but my mouth is not moving, and you're like oh well, what's going on here? Is this an arty movie? Is this a a, a dig? I don't know. It was it was only all right. Sorry. Apologies. All those things you're saying, I was like, that's what I loved about the movie. Oh, and I'm sorry. There, wasn't, there wasn't one golly gosh in it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, am I going to be the only one defending the dig? No, you are not. Um, I I actually thought it was like uh, it didn't appeal to Lisa, obviously, and that's fair enough. And that it's good that we disagree some from time to time because that's more interesting for our listeners. But I, I have to say I enjoyed the dig. It, it 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 grabbed me. It's not it's not as Lisa correctly says. It's it's kind of a waiting for Godot. Nothing really happens, but things are still happening. Um, Ralph Fiennes is superb as this. You know. Uh, York, I think he's a Yorkshire man in it, and his accent is amazing, and his physicality. I mean, Ralph Fiennes is a great actress. Yes, Carrie Mulligan is a kind of a poor me character, but that's the character. That's the story. Um, the plot is actually, I thought it was quite interesting. Plus, it's based on a true story. Like, this is a true story. You can go to the 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 British Museum today. Well, you can't because they're in lockdown. But in the future, you can go to the British Museum, and this the artifacts that were found in this boat are there. And the character played by by Ralph Fiennes, who I'm going to have to look it up now. Mr. Brown. His name, Mr. Brown. Yeah, Basil Brown. Mm-hmm. He was kind of shunned by the glitterati of the museum archaeology, all the wannabe Indiana Joneses of 1930s England. They're like, oh, well, he's got no qualifications and golly gosh, as Lisa, as Lisa Tracy would say. And they kind of shunned him. And his work wasn't recognized until a couple of years ago recently. It resurfaced that he's the guy who actually found this boat and found all these as Lisa calls them, trinkets. But they're, you know, medallions and lots of gold and it's worth a lot of money. It's, a, I think it's a good story. And like uh, Carrie Mulligan is, spoiler alert, she's quite ill in this and her life is a bit tragic. And she gifts this find to the British Museum just before spoiler. World War II, you know, kicks off. Well, it's a, it's a historical event that happened pre-World War II. So spoilers alert are out the window here, people. But I actually enjoyed it, Carrie. I thought it was good. I thought, I mean, it's not riveting and stuff, but like, I've recommended it to my mother. I said to my mother, I said, you know, you might like this movie. You might, you know, it's a nice 
interest it's not riveting it's not action-packed or thrilling or it's just a nice interesting entertaining story that's told quite well if you ask me great movie so lisa out of 10 Ooh, out of 10 i'm gonna give it a solid six because it's very well shot like it's beautiful um the suffolk countryside is very nice and the production design and all of that stuff and their costumes and everything you really feel like you're immersed in the period so i thought yeah good solid six out of ten i mean for me it's a little bit better than a six i'm going to give it a seven because as lisa said it's shot really well the suffolk countryside looks amazing the production design is excellent the actors are excellent i think the story is solid it's not a, like amazing oscar winning story but it's a good solid story uh, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to recommend it. I thought it was a good movie. It's a nice cup of tea and a biscuit, as I said, Sunday afternoon watch. And you can watch it with your with your mother or your auntie or whoever. And it's a, it's a nice movie. So I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Exciting news today as well. Paddington 3 is going to be happening, which some people might think, well, so what? But actually, I thought Paddington was a great movie. I thought Paddington 2 of Brendan Gleeson and Hugh Grant was an excellent family movie. So it'd be great to see what they pull out of the bag if they can even go further uh, than they did in the previous one with Paddington 3. And no reaction whatsoever from Dave and Lisa, so we'll move on. <laughs> because I haven't, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them either. I haven't seen them. Gary, we don't have time to watch everything. And if you say, Dave, go watch Paddington, I will go watch it, but I haven't seen it. I know that Ben Wishaw plays Paddington, yeah. and I've heard stories that in the second one, Hugh Grant is brilliant in it. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's on my list, but like I don't kind of perk up when Paddington comes on TV. I usually go right, I go for a walk with my dogs, you know. Come on, but if you prescribe it to me, then I will watch it. So, on that note, we will try to review Paddington Three. Okay, okay, let's move on to the latest movie from director and actor and producer and writer and everything else. George Clooney, The Midnight Sky, another movie currently on Netflix. Dave, do you want to tell us a bit about this post-apocalyptic tale? Yeah, so standard post-apocalyptic fare, uh, lots of silence, and it's very reminiscent of George Clooney's starring role remake in Solaris. Uh, lots of kind of atmospheric silences and wide shots of desolate places and whatnot. Uh, long story short, he it's a post-apocalyptic time. He's in this research station up in the North Pole or something, and people are frantically evacuating and... He's left there on his own because he's ill and he's dying and the, and there's an event. We don't get told what the event is. Maybe it's coronavirus. Who knows? But it's, you know, some event. Maybe somebody opened a bottle of Diet Coke too close to a pack of Mentos. Who knows? We're never told what it was. And at this mysterious event, the world is end and there's radiation. We only get a glimpse of this in the corner of a of a monitor that there's radiation approaching his location and the rest of the world is all irradiated and everybody's dead or whatever. And long story short, there's a, there's a space mission out in space with a group of astronauts and they're returning from their mission to find us a new home as humanity. And they're on their way back and they don't know that the event has happened and there's everybody on planet earth is dead. And this guy has to go on a journey across the wasteland to a more powerful telescope to be able to communicate this with, with this space shuttle. And I'm not going to give any spoilers away because there are a few twists and spoilers and things in this story. And he tries to communicate with, and he basically says, lads, there's no point landing here. The whole planet is full of, full of radiation and you'll all die. So your best job is to turn around and go back to whatever planet you may or may not have found. And there's lots more to it than that. But that's the basic synopsis. 
and I'm going to leave it there and I'll come back after we see what Lisa thinks. <laughs> Lisa, did uh, George do a Carrie Mulligan? Woe is me in this. <laughs> well, <laughs> <A> golly gosh. <laughs> George did what George does best, which is look solemn and kind of depressed and look at monitors and then find a, a something on the place that he's in his research center and then they have to come with him and oh lord it's this is one of the most boring movies I've ever watched in my entire life I thought it was uh, I can't even compare it to anything because it was so boring like like the bit in space with the with the with the people up there that's a bit interesting but the bit down in the arctic with the people leaving and and George being all like sad about it and but but not actually talking to anybody about it. And oh, no, terrible film. Don't watch it. I have to say, I can't even say any more about it because it was actually so bad. Didn't even know. Awful. Dave? <laughs> Everything you said is 100% correct. <laughs> this film is a turd. This film <laughs> is terrible. I mean... George Clooney is an actor and he has directed well in the past. I mean, he made Confessions of a Dangerous Mind with Sam Rockwell, which is an excellent film. Great He's a movie. good director. Love it. But I think he was trying too hard in this. He was trying to be he was trying to be Stanley Kubrick in this. And unfortunately, mm. nobody can be Stanley Kubrick except for Stanley Kubrick. Mm. And uh, I mean, no offense, George, but, you know, stick to the day job. Shave the beard, put on a suit. Do Oceans 52 or whatever the hell you want to do. I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it. This is crap, is what this film is. <laughs> the story, the plot line is just so pretentious. There's loads of silence and mulling over. And they didn't earn the silence. They did, you got to earn this emotional thing. And there's moments of, you know, tears and welling up at the end. They're trying to, they're trying to pull these two emotional story arcs i won't give anything away for anybody who wants to suffer through this film <laughs> but they try and literally pull these two emotional pieces together and it doesn't work i don't care nobody cares you didn't earn it you didn't bring me there you bored me to death um too much silence pretentiousness you didn't build and it was like i felt like no offense to simon stone but i felt like this was directed by uh, probably Someone in their second semester of their first year in film school directed this with, right, we'll have a flashback to this and then we'll have a flashback and then we'll imagine it's all a dream and then we'll, oh my God, give me a break. Absolute turd, stinker. Oh my God, it made me want to cancel my Netflix subscription in the middle. I'm not joking you. I was in the middle of it going, if I didn't have to review this and I had to keep my Netflix to review for just like in the movies, I was going to ring Netflix and go, how are you lads? I'm revoking my my membership here. That's how bad it was. Lisa Tracy, out of 10, what did you give the turd, better known to people as The Midnight Sky? The Midnight Sky was 3 out of 10. Ooh. I thought 3 out of 10. I was giving it 3 for like their technical ability. Yeah, me too. I gave it exactly 3 out of 10 as well. <laughs> And for those of you who are listening, we are we are not cheating. We're holding up. We're giving our. We're, we've got this new system where we're writing down our numbers so that neither Lisa or I can adapt based on each other's <laughs> numbers. But yeah, three out of ten, Gary. Because as Lisa said, 
the stuff in space has merit. It's not amazing. It's nothing we haven't seen before. But the ensemble cast of, um, uh, you know, uh, Damien Bashir, um, Kyle Chandler, um, what's the lady's name? Oh, my God, I can't remember. Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones, yeah. Felicity Jones from Star Wars and um, David Oloyello. I mean, that cast should... No offense to George Clooney. He's a great actor. We all love George. But George, this was a damn squib. You should have stayed at home and changed a few nappies with your, and let your wife go to work and be a lawyer. Because George Clooney and his direction and all the scenes with George Clooney are the problem with this movie. The stuff in space had a good story. It, it could have been better. It's a bit flat because it got pulled down by George looking sullen on Earth and thinking he was in a Dallas episode of, oh my God, it was all a dream. But, you know, three at best, just for the technical elements of storytelling that are on, on display here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, another actor who never lets us down, really, is Tom Hanks. And he is starring in a movie which is on Apple TV. And it's a war movie. And someone said to me that it's the best war movie that they have ever seen. Well, let's see if Dave and Lisa agree. So, Dave, back to you. Give us the heads up about this World War Two movie. So this is a story of a, a scout ship called Greyhound, which is a, like a battle cruiser, but it's small and it's light and it's fast. And it kind of chaperones a big convoy of ships across the Atlantic Ocean um, in er- the early days of World War II. Or again, we're back to World War II. And the Greyhound is captained by this character uh, whose name escapes me, but he's played by um, Tom Hanks. And he's a religious guy. He's a very steady guy. And this is his first time. And this is the Greyhound's first time escorting a convoy across the, the Atlantic Ocean during World War II. And they call it the Battle of the Atlantic. And there's this section in the middle of the Atlantic where they call it the Black Pit, where there's no air cover. There's no planes watching for U-boats and the Germans with their submarines to blow up the, the, the convoy. So from one side of the Atlantic to the other, there's this section where they have no air cover and it's very tension filled. That's pretty much it. They have this run across the Atlantic and they're fighting with submarines and it's kind of a trying to be psychological thriller meets action meets war, war two. And that would be the rough synopsis, I would say. Lisa, did you feel you were there with them? Um, I did, but not to the extent that I felt Saving Private Ryan is the greatest movie of World War Two, perhaps. Because, uh, of course, that's a Tom Hanks starring role. But this is a Tom Hanks screenplay and starring role, uh, which is very different. But Tom Hanks is the captain of the ship. And there's there's a few moments of there might be more story to this. But then they just pull back and it goes back to the action that's happening underwater and all around them with U-boats and the destroyer and things like that. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's good. But I kind of felt like let down by it because I, I felt there was more story to be had. We needed to find out more what was happening with Tom Hanks's character, with his backstory, with Elizabeth Shue, the, his love interest. Like it, like there was like two scenes with her and like one is a flashback of the original scene. And I thought, well, there has to be more to that. And could we even have a synopsis at the end where he gets back to see her and they maybe make, you know, get married or whatever. I needed, I needed an ending but I didn't. I didn't get the ending that I wanted. I kind of felt like that we were just kind of cut off, and another twenty minutes maybe might have made a difference to this movie. It's only an hour and a half, so it's not a very long movie either. In fairness, no. But I think we're just so used to like epic war movies that I just, 
I, I needed more. I needed more. There needs to be more of a backstory. There needs to be more development, character development, I thought. Dave? Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd agree with most of that. Um, it's It has merit. There's a good story here. However, um, it kind of falls flat for me, this film. Because, as I said, there's, there's huge potential there. It is most certainly not uh, the best war movie ever made by mm-hmm. no manner of means. I mean, even in the genre of, you know, ships and submarines, okay. you've got Das Boot, you've got The Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. which, pardon the pun, both of those would blow this movie out of the water, pun <laughs> initiated. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's good. It's a good movie. It's relentless. It kind of, there's a couple, a lot of these action movies, there's lulls, you know, there's a, what we call a, a narrative breadth where the audience can listen to characters talking about, you know, back on the farm and whatever, and they have a few moments to breathe and get a cup of tea and shift in their seat. This movie is a bit relentless. There's like action, 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 action. It's kind of bang, bang, bang. You know, it starts off, then they're in this thing, then they're engaging with the enemy, and it's like this many hours to air cover, and it's a bit relentless. And that is, you know, it's kind of shadowed by the fact that uh, Tom Hanks's character does not, uh, Captain Cruz uh, does not... Um, he does not sleep throughout the whole thing and he's on his feet so long that he actually, his feet start bleeding and he doesn't eat. And every time he tries to eat the submarine attacks and the food gets end up in the floor or the coffee ends up in the floor or whatever, but it's good. I think, I think this might've been a vanity project where Tom Hanks wanted to do it. And he wrote the screenplay based on the book. And I think, you know, I don't know. I think the fact that, he stars in the, probably the best, arguably one of the best World War II movies of all time, which is Saving Private Ryan. That kind of got the weight behind him to make this movie, and because he's Tom Hanks. But I think, I think in the hands of a more experienced director, I think the director of this, Aaron Schneider, he's not a very experienced director. He's a he's a cinematographer. He's a DOP, and you know, the peak of his career, from what I can see on IMDb, was 1997 when he was the cinematographer on Kiss the Girls. You know, that's the peak of his career in terms of like, you know, it's a general, you know, pop culture. And, um, you know, he's a good DOP. And you could tell lots of this, the DOP was, the DOP in him was coming through in terms of directing. But for me, some of the visuals were just too fake. Maybe because the CGI is so good, it almost looks fake. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you're looking at it, you're like, that ship just doesn't look right. It doesn't look real. And they're trying to intercut like sets or real ships with blue screen backgrounds with, you know, bird's eye views of five ships and submarines and airplanes. And it's almost too crisp. And it's like, that doesn't look like World War II to me. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's good. It's And Elizabeth Shue was, pardon again, another pun. She was kind of shoehorned into this, you know, tacked on to give him pathos and, you know, a backstory, as Lisa said, that was never really fleshed out much. Uh, Stephen Graham plays his number two, no, you know his his CEO, his XO, executive officer, and he's really good in it. Tom Hanks is brilliant in it as usual, but as Lisa said, there was a le- there was something missing in this film in the story. It just wasn't fleshed out enough. You know they could have turned this into a two hours and twenty minute movie and fleshed it out a bit more. But I think that comes down to maybe the inexperience of the director. I think it was just a bit too action heavy. And it didn't earn any of its um, emotional impact. Okay, so Dave, out of 10? I'm going to give it a 6. Because it was, uh, you know, 
meritorious. The CGI was good, but a little bit probably too good. They needed to World War Twoify it a little bit. That'd be my technical advice. Um, but it's a good entertaining movie, and I enjoyed watching it. And but it was a little bit flat in terms of uh, development of the script and the emotions. But six for me, Lisa. Six for me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, for the exact same reasons. I just it was it was good, but it just it fell flat. There was just there was a lot missing from it, and I, I nearly feel like they left. They might have even left things on the editing floor, perhaps. Yeah, they must have. I, I mean, as I said, an hour and a half for <clears throat> a war movie isn't a lot, really. No, compared to the the, the epic war movies we're used to. Uh, so there you go. That is it for this episode, episode four of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.e. And thanks again to everyone who has been streaming and downloading the podcast. It's doing extremely well. And we do appreciate all your support and hope that you're enjoying the content of the podcast. Until we talk to you again next week, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>